Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Question, what would you do if you knew you only had one week to live? How would you, think about it, how would you spend the time that you had left here on the earth? Well, Max Lucado writes, When a man knows the end is near, only the important surfaces. Impending death distills the vital, the trivial is bypassed, the unnecessary is overlooked, and that which is vital remains. So if you would know Christ, he says, ponder his final days. He knew the end was near. He knew the finality of Friday. He read the last chapter before it was written and heard the final chorus before it was sung. As a result, the critical were centrifuged from the casual. Distilled truths taught, deliberate deeds done, each step calculated, every act premeditated. Knowing he had just one week with his disciples, what did Jesus tell them? Knowing it would be his last time in the temple, how did he act? Conscious that the last sand was slipping through the hourglass, what really mattered to Jesus? Answer, Matthew chapter 20. We're picking up our study in verse 17. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Now, Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day, he'll rise again. Well, then in verse 20, the mother of Zebedee's son came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him glibly, we're able. Sure, no problem. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, get this, guys, they were greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whosoever desires to become great among you. What saints? Let him be your servant. 
And whoever desires to be the first among you, well, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, here it is, saints. This is what Jesus has been talking about. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Circle that word ransom. It means to loose. It means to release. In other words, Jesus gave his life to release us from our sin. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Last time in chapter 20, if you were with us, we entered into, listen, the final week of the life of Christ. And if you were with us, you know that Jesus started that week by teaching in parables, particularly the parable of the worker and the vineyard. And I told you, we pointed out that Jesus was teaching simply in the parable that he has the right to reward his servants according to their service through his sovereign grace. We talked about that. You can pick up a CD copy if you missed that study. And so here we are now in chapter 20 in the final week of Jesus' life and everything, stay with me, everything from here on out in the Gospel of Matthew takes place in the shadow of the cross. We are in his final week. This is the week that Jesus is going to make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Remember, he comes riding in on a donkey. And remember, the donkey speaks of peace and humility. He's not riding on a white horse because a white horse speaks of conquer and strength and power. No, he comes riding into Jerusalem in his triumphal entry on a donkey. And when he gets into the city, the people, you know the story. They're waving palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they cry. But then just a few short hours after that, those same fickle folks, they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, will then be crying, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us. Aren't folks fickle? It's the truth. And so this is the final week. Jesus, notice in your Bible, look at it again in verse 17, is on his way up to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. If you fast forward in this chapter and look at verse 29, it tells us that Jesus was leaving the area of Jericho. So Jericho is a thousand feet below sea level and Jerusalem is twenty five hundred feet above sea level and the distance is 14 miles. So Jesus is walking 14 miles and climbing a total of 3,500 feet. So Jesus is not only heading up to Jerusalem, but he's also heading up to heaven. That's why I titled my sermon, Homeward Bound, because Jesus is headed home. And you'll notice from this point on, Jesus is no longer speaking in parables as he had been. Now Jesus is speaking in prophecy. And you want to notice now, this is the third time in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus then begins to prophesy or to predict his death. And don't you notice, have you taken note? The detail. The detail of his death. 
Notice he says the son of man in your Bibles in verse 18, the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, condemned to death, delivered up. You see the details? Say amen if you see the details. Amen. Delivered up. See, he's going to be mocked. He's going to be scourged. He's telling them this. And he's going to be crucified the third day and he's going to rise again. You see, Jesus is teaching them, before I can reign as king, I must suffer and die as a lamb. I mean, think about that. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus knew exactly when he was going to die. He knew it. And he not only knew when he was going to die, he knew the circumstances and the details around his death. He knew not only when he was going to die, but he also knew how he was going to die. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to know when I'm going to die. I don't want to know how I'm going to die. I, I look, I'd rather not know. I'd rather just kind of take me by surprise. I, I mean, you understand? I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but if you want to know when you're going to die and how you're going to die, please see me after service. You're very sick. <laughs> this is sick. That's not good. That's weird. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die. And I don't want to know. I tell you what now, if I have my choice, I want to die right here in the pulpit. I told y'all. I, wanna, I just want to drive. If, I wanna, if I'm going to die, I'd rather just die right here. Just right while I'm middle, middle, mid-sentence. Just mid-sentence. Boom. <laughs> Man, Pastor Rodney done died. <laughs> it, it made me feel, maybe he's tired, maybe he's asleep. Maybe somebody go check a pulse. Be like, no, Pastor Rodney dead. Pastor Rodney done gone. You know what? I tell you what, I just, just move me right aside, get somebody up to preach, don't worry about it. I just be laying right there. And please don't go, don't start tripping. Oh, Pastor Rodney, he did. Oh, what a good man. Oh, Pastor Rodney, oh, he was a good man. Because that's what y'all gonna say, amen. That won't be a lie. Oh, Pastor Rodney, he won't Pastor Rodney gone, he gone. He died, Pastor Rodney died. Let me tell you something. Pastor Rodney didn't die. Pastor Rodney moved. <laughs> Say amen. I didn't die because I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. But certainly I don't want to know. Jesus knew exactly how he was going to die. And yet he went to the cross anyhow. That shocks me. It blesses me. That he would know, he full well knew the details. He full well knew that there was going to be a kangaroo court to condemn him. He full well knew that they would humiliate and mock and scourge and crucify him. He full well knew that he would be abandoned and suffer unthinkable pain. And yet the Bible says that he set his face like a flint to go through the suffering to glory. The glory of being rose, raised from the dead. And so that's why Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand. There's the glory. There's the suffering of glory. Has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Saints, let me tell you something. Suffering and glory are Siamese twins. And for anybody to tell you that, oh, Christians, we're 
we're not supposed to suffer. Yeah, we're, we are going to suffer. And if somebody tells you that, that's not true. And it's just unreal. It's unreal. That's la-la land. The reality is Christians suffer just like anybody else. The only difference is we have Christ who upholds us. And we have Christ, like we sang in the song, on the solid rock we stand. That's the only difference. It's ludicrous to think, oh, we're not supposed to suffer as Christians. You're going to suffer. And you know why you're going to suffer? Because God's got to work. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. And God's trying to make you better. Better? Yeah, better. He's trying to make you better. God loves you. Oh, God loves me the way I am. Yeah, he loves you too much to leave you that way, too. <laughs> Say amen. Say amen. <laughs> He does. He loves you too much to leave you that way. See, so he uses afflictions. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. And it says, for our light afflictions is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see, the affliction is working. You know, someone once said a clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the, the white heat of the furnace to become porcelain. A clay pot's always going to be a clay pot, but it's got to be some fire and some testings. Yes, you will suffer, and suffering glory always goes together. We suffer now, we reign with him later. That's what the Bible says. Well, then in verse 20, and we just read that, verse 20 through 28, Jesus and his disciples are walking along the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is talking about his crucifixion, and he's talking about his death. And to the disciples, did you get this from the story? The disciples, they didn't get it. Jesus is talking about <laughs> Jesus is talking about his death. I'm going to die. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be condemned. And it went in one, one ear out the other. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have much between their the ears. I, I told y'all when I get to heaven, get beat up. The disciples are going to beat me up. I know it because I talk about them all the time. But, but you would have thought they would have said, no, Jesus, no, 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 that can't happen. No, Jesus, say it ain't so. That just can't be right. No, Jesus, you can't tell us that we love you, Jesus, we want you to be with. No, that didn't happen. Did you notice that in the story? That just did not happen. Did you notice the Bible's very clear that in verse 20, the mother of Zebedee's son, let's call her Mrs. Zebedee. Actually, we know her name to be Salome. Solome. She came with her two boys, James and John, the sons of thunder, asking for her sons. Did you notice to sit on the right, one to sit on the right and one to sit on the left? Now, many scholars get this, believe that she, Solome, is the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus, which would make her the aunt of Jesus. And James and John would be Jesus cousins. So it's very possible that James and John said, Mom. Would you ask Aunt Mary to put in a good word with Cousin Jesus? So when he gets into heaven, you know, he might hook us up, you know. And then Aunt Salome, she would go to Jesus and say, hey, nephew Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, how about you give your cousins, James and John, some box seats? She might say. Grant, she says, that one sit on the right and the other on the left. And notice Jesus didn't say, no way, Jose. He didn't say that's not going to happen. Did you notice what he said? 
Are you able to drink of the cup that I'm, I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? Now, what is he talking about? Remember, Jesus said in the garden in his prayer, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. You remember that? Well, the cup represents suffering. Jesus is talking about the crucifixion. And then notice in verse 22, I like to call this flesh at its finest hour. Are you able to drink of the cup and be baptized with the baptism? Are you able to suffer? Are you willing to suffer? Jesus says to them and they say, oh, oh yeah, we are able. That's the flesh. You see, they had no idea what they were asking and what they were saying. But Jesus did. And Jesus said, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they did. They did indeed drink of the cup of suffering because James was the first apostle to be martyred by the sword and lose his life for Christ. And John was the last to drink of the cup as he was exiled on the island of Patmos. You know that he lived in isolation, loneliness. He died a natural death, natural causes, but John suffered many persecutions. You see, someone once said, you can't pray for a throne. You have to pay for a throne. That's very true. And then notice again in your Bibles, in verse 24, when the ten heard it, what, when the ten heard that John and James were, what they were asking for, did you notice they were upset? They were displeased. Why? Because they wanted to sit next to the Lord and James and John got to Jesus first. Oh, you know how it goes. Me, I was going to ask him before you did. And they were upset. You see? And Jesus is simply saying to his disciples, listen, God's kingdom, he's making the point here in our text that God's kingdom is different from the world. You see, the world system of greatness is how many are serving you. God's system of greatness is how many are you serving? The world system is, who can you rule over? And the kingdom of God is, who can you serve under? You see, that's what Jesus is showing them. The kingdom system of service. Don't you find it interesting that he's headed to the cross? He's about to die. He's about to suffer unspeakable. Did you see the movie, The Passion? Awful. This is what he's going to, and he knows it. And what is he doing? Talking about humility. He's talking about service. Why? Because these are the two areas that people have a problem with. These are the two areas that if we truly are going to be the people of God, listen, saints, if we truly are going to be the people of God, then we're going to have to start humbling ourselves and serving one another as we serve Christ. This message of humility and service is woven throughout the New Testament. You can't miss it. You can't miss it because this is important to the heart of our Lord. Even before his death. You know, before our death, we setting things up. Make sure my 401k plan is going to pay whoever. I don't even know. I only have a 401k plan. Do you? What, do they pay people when you die? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you know, we're setting things up. Okay, make sure this is okay, that okay. Don't misunderstand me. All that's okay. But, but Jesus is different. <laughs> he's thinking about you. He's thinking about me as he's about to die. Humility and service. Interesting as he does that. And you know what? John, later on in life, he got it. John got it. 
because because he understood he understood he understand here in our text, but he got it later because in first John chapter three, verse 16, John wrote this. He said, by this, we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, John, at the end of his life, he got this message of humility and service. Uh, Y'all with me so far? Say amen. He did get it. But this whole Christian thing, listen, Christian life is a bunch of paradoxes, period. The Christian life is a paradox. If you you seek to find them and uncover them and dig them out in the scriptures, they go on and on. Here, Here are just a few. We conquer, Christian, we conquer by yielding. We find rest under a yoke. We are made great by becoming little. We are exalted by being humble. We become wise by being fools for Christ. We are made free by becoming servants. We wax strong by being weak and we triumph by defeat and we find victory by glorying in our infirmities and we live by dying and we see the unseen and we reign by serving. That's just a few. This Christian life is a paradox. And Jesus says, you want to be great in the kingdom? You want to sit on my right and you want to sit on my left? Humble yourself. Want to sit on my right? Want to sit on my left? Serve other people. Want to be great? Get down. Get down, bro. Get down. (laughs) So, let me wrap this up in verse 29 and 34 through 34. Look at it with me in verse 29. And look at verse, uh, look at verse 29. If you're there, say amen. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great, uh, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, by the way. Kid's story, Blind Bartimaeus, I like to call it. And, and this is just a, this is a great story. Look at this. They went out of Jericho, a great multitude follow him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. That's a messianic title taken from the book of Daniel. And then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. And so Jesus, underlined this circle, it stood still. I love that. I love that. Jesus stood still. And he called them and he said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And so Jesus had compassion. He touched their eyes and immediately, just like that, Their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Now, this is the last miracle recorded in the Gospels before the Passion Week. And you want to keep in mind now, as I pointed out, it's Passover time. The streets are packed with people. Get this in your mind's eye. The streets are packed with people. The people were listening to Jesus. They had heard of him. Jesus was famous. His fame had spread abroad. And so people were following him, and they're following him toward Jerusalem. This is a great multitude, the Bible tells us. And two blind men were sitting there. Mark chapter 10 tells us one of them is named Bartimaeus. Now think about it for a minute. These two blind guys, their day started just like any other day. This day for them started as usual. They probably got up in the morning, shook the dirt off their shabby old garments. They headed out, began to tap, you know, with their cane, tap their way down the familiar streets. They go and they sit on the road in the hot sun, calling out the people, begging for bread, food for the blind, alms for the needy. 
They're screaming to people. They sit there. They're dirty. They're nasty. Animals walking by and the animals stink. We won't go there. This day started out as any other day. But this particular day was very different. Because they were sitting there hoping that someone would have a little pity, drop a few pennies in their cup, and then all of a sudden they hear this commotion in the distance. And it sounds like a crowd, and they're probably thinking, man, I hope we don't get trampled by the people. And then somebody screams out, Jesus, Jesus! And I'm sure they heard of him. And they couldn't believe it. They're thinking, man, Jesus is coming our way. And they start screaming, oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And did you notice the people, they tell them to shut up, be quiet. Now, now, now remember, these same people are headed toward the religious festival. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.